0: This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Durenda.
1: Oh my, the fun times never end when it's trying to, you're trying to find out how to stream. Should we... What are those other, what are the other people like who know what they're doing use? What do they use? Stream? No. What do they use? There's StreamYard? like StreamYard. Yeah. StreamYard. StreamYard's the one where, okay. where
0: where it means that rather than you connecting to me and sending me yeah, your we video stream StreamYard. and then me doing it, connect the StreamYard and then. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll have I mean, to try that sometime.
1: We'll if, give it a go. If, we'll make Eric. Any, Eric yeah, pay for it. There we go. If anybody out there is using StreamYard and has like, uh, you know, I don't know, a code or something, send it to us. <laughs> we'll try it out. We'll give it a shot. Hey everybody, welcome to Laravel News. This is episode 174 and we are super glad to be hanging out with you. We have got some releases to talk about. No real I didn't I didn't categorize anything under news, although there is some news items I'm sure. We've got lots of packages and developer tools and um I am not going to mess up Steve McDougal's name today. I've been calling him <laughs> Steve King. <laughs> yeah. Just Steve King is his uh, Twitter handle, I think, and Steve King, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, I think I've messed up his name the last couple of times. So Steve McDougall, hey, dude, I see you. And he's got tons of tutorials out there because this dude is a wordsmith. He just cranks them out. It's kind of unbelievable. So we got some tutorials for you today as well. But um, I don't know. Should we just jump right in? 9.24? It's been a bit of a train wreck getting set up a little bit, but I think we're good to go.
0: Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're ready. I think we're going to gonna get it done. Okay,
1: let's get it done, shall we? 9.24, here we go. Okay, so the Laravel team released 9.24 with a couple new commands. Let's jump right into it. Here we go. New database artisan commands. So James Brooke and Joe Dixon contributed three new artisan commands for databases, and I don't know if you've noticed, uh, I have, that the last couple of releases have been with some new amazing artisan commands, right? Some uh, th- There's been a bit of a focus in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one of them was like the about command, which I sort of feel like was one of the first ones like on this front. The about yeah. command sort of gives yeah, James, you... Like a, James Brooks put that one together. Yeah, like a, a, a good overview of all the things that are happening with your app, like what PHP version running you and all these other things, right? What Laravel version you're running things about your caches and what database connection is being used and all the common things you're going to need to know. What queue am I running? And you know How am I handling queue
0: jobs and things like that? Do you know what so I think would good. be really nice with, with that command is if you could take, I know that he, I'm pretty sure it can be spat out as JSON. Like okay. you can pass dash dash JSON to that and it'll give it to you in JSON format. Okay. What I think would be really handy with that is if it could be exposed. I mean, you could do this in your own application, but you could do it expose it in like a slash ping or a slash hello or something and use it mm. or slash health and oh, use cool. it as kind of a built-in health check that like if this returns a 200 and you've got like content in there, then you know sure. that the application's up. And then that's that's useful for putting it behind load balances and things like that because you can then communicate to the load balancer that yes, the application is up and you should be expecting to see this version of Laravel. You should be expecting to see, you know, whatever else. And you could like... Get a bit trickier in those things as well, where you could flag like if the PHP version changes, just you know, if you're expecting your app to be running on PHP 8.0, but some patch runs and you're suddenly on 8.1 or whatever, yeah. That then, would be you know, you could flag those things nice. down as well. Mm-hmm. You yes. want to
1: secure the endpoint, right? Because there's a lot of like security things they would like if you have somebody who's trying to come and you're paying them to do like an intrusion test or something like that, mm-hmm. right? They're they're trying to get in. One of the things that they'll tell you is like, oh, it looks like your headers are exposing the version of PHP you're using or the, you know, or using Nginx or using Apache. So it makes it a bit easier for the attacker to kind of know, oh, they're using that. I'll just use this thing over here. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if it'd be something you'd want to expose like publicly all the time. Like if you had it, something that you could authenticate, or, you know, just out of them. Yeah, you could definitely and make it A token or something. Finally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You could make it local only or you could say um, if you wanted to hit it, you could put it behind something. Anyway, no, that's a cool idea. So, so we've got that sort of feel where it's like, Hey, let's expose a, a, some really helpful information through this. And, and this is kind of along that same vein, right? We've got these artisan commands for databases. There's three of them, DB show, DB table and DB monitor. So let's start with DB show. This gives you an overview of the database. So it includes things like the database type, the version, the username that you're connecting with and other information, like how many open connections there are, how many tables you have, what's the total size of your database? The DB table command lets you see details about a specific table, including the number of rows, the column details, indexes, et cetera, et cetera. So if you say PHP artisan DB table, and then you name the table like tags or something like that, it'll give you how many columns it are, how many size, you know, what size there are, what the column names are, the different indexes, uh, whatever, whatever. And then the DB monitor command lets you see things like the number of connections to the database, which is pretty cool. That actually is is really nice. Um, I'm curious if that just stays open. If you say DB monitor, does it like just live update? You know what I mean? I would assume Hmm. it would. I mean, monitor gives the ideal of that, right? It's like you're going to monitor it because the DB DB, um, show gives you that same thing, open connections, but I'm guessing it's just like a static, like snapshot, like here's how many open connections there are right now at this moment. But DB Mm -hmm. monitor gives me the feeling of like, we're going to monitor for you how many connections there are and kind of update you as we get more connections. So, Or maybe it does a like polling. I'm not sure. In any we case, look. yeah, pretty interesting. Why don't you take a look and I'm going to keep talking through and then by the time I'm at the end of this one, maybe you can tell us. Yeah. We also have a does not end with validation rule. Kichetov Kitch, uh, is the uh, name of the GitHub contributor, I think who did this one. Yeah, Kichetov, K-I-C-H-E-T-O-F, contributed in doesn't a doesn't end with validation rule. What this does is it'll check if a string that's being passed in doesn't end with a given substring. I was trying to think of when this would be used. I don't know. I'm not sure what it would be. Uh, Unless you were wanting to exclude like a specific, I don't know, maybe there's like a phone number and you don't want to allow like dash 5555 at the end or dash 4242 for the end of a credit card number. I have no idea. I can't think of why you would do this. But basically what this will do is you say doesn't end with and then you pass a string and it'll just return a, you know, it'll it'll fail a validation check if it does end with that value. If it ends with that value, then it will then it fails. So, okay, there you go. I mean, I don't know. Again, use it however you want. Maybe there's some clarification of the pull request itself, but I haven't looked. So I don't know. All right. Uh, Two things left here. Restoring a soft deleted model without events. So. We all should probably know what soft-deleted models are. This is a huge thing, uh, by the way, when I remember first coming to Laravel. There was, like, I had done it five different ways, but I never had a great consistent way to do it. It was like, oh, we'll have, like, a status column, and that will tell us whether it's active or not active or whatever. Or we'll have a, you know, a different column that keeps track of this. And it was just, like, deleted at. Oh, genius. Um, We'll just use that. So deleted at, obviously, is a column that lives on the table. And when deleted at is not null, that means the the, uh, item is soft-deleted. So... You can restore soft-deleted items by just calling restore on a ID. But with this, uh, you can restore quietly, which means what it will do is it will restore that item, but it won't raise any events that would normally be raised when you're restoring an item. So restore quietly is the new method there. And lastly, uh, macroable items in the Laravel code base is nothing new, but the config has now been made macroable so users can extend the config in their apps so if you have they give an example here like config macro say hello they return a function a little closure and it says hello right so the config is now macroable so you can go ahead and customize that to your heart's content Uh, of course the rest of the release notes with uh different changes fixes all those things will be available in the show notes that's not 24. Uh, Michael what' oh, you find out about that monitor thing
0: no it looks like it just runs once and then you know gives you the output there is a command on I think it's native on Linux on most Linux systems wait. and you can install it on MacOS No, it's called watch and so you type mm. watch mm-hmm. space and then put in quotes Sorry. like yep, wait, PHP watch. artisan DB monitor and yep. then by default I think it'll refresh every two seconds but you can, you know, say watch t. I think it is, you know, five yeah. or ten, and you can have that automatically refresh every, you know, end period of time. You have to, you have, to, brew, to, you
1: have to install it with Homebrew on Mac. It doesn't come by right. default. Um, yeah, but yeah. So that, that, I somewhere. mean,
0: that's something you can do if you wanted to watch, you know, in real time if you're expecting a flood of traffic and you just want to keep an eye on it. But I think, you know, with the if you can do a JSON output, you could do this kind of thing where you have. Some monitoring tool, whether it's Nagios or whatever you want to use, that can just, you know, shell into the server, run PHP artisan db monitor dash dash JSON. Now, I'm not saying it does do that. I'm saying I think it does that, and if it doesn't, it probably could and should do that. You get the JSON output, and then you can pipe it straight into Nagios or whatever, and you can monitor those things, you know, from within the context of your application. And that that kind of make things. It kind of puts the the dependency on your application to always be available. So if that goes down, obviously then you're going to lose that that traffic statistic. But it means that you've only got kind of one point of entry to your database. So you can, rather than having to make you oh, know, RDS available outside, you know, on, on the other side of a firewall or whatever, you can just make everything accessible via your application this way. And that way, all of your setup, your monitoring, your access is done to to one place, um, from one place. And then you kind of get a little bit of of you know you, you've got a pinhole rather than you know a whole bunch of different areas for for access into your application and various levels of the application. So it's something to consider. That's um, yeah, cool. If you, if you wanted it, yeah. to use it like that, it's, what, it's, was it's the, what was that, the name of, the of application
1: now. that you would digest it in? What did you say?
0: Na, Nagios is one of them. Like, and it's not for digest. It's more like you can tell it to look for certain things and then and then plot that. And Do you Nagios or N A G I O S? Not just okay. Hmm. So you can use that for monitoring, or you could, you know, you could do it in Grafana or whatever else, like whatever monitoring tool you're using, most of them you can configure to look for JSON and then parse the JSON and then graph it. So you could see if anything out of character is happening. Um I know that if you're in AWS, typically you've got everything set up anyway, so you've got CloudWatch and all of that kind of stuff can can poll. Um at work we're using Datadog, for example, that does like all that APM stuff as well as monitoring and so it it monitors all of our application servers as well as you know logging and things like that. So there's a lot of different tools out there that having having these kinds of commands that spit JSON out or uh, are easy parsable, easily parse parsable, that's that's helpful as well. So yeah, check it out. And if if James is listening, then maybe if it doesn't do that, he can make it do it by the time this comes out and then I will not sound so crazy. There is one other
1: tool that is actually free from Nginx called Amplify. And yep. I've been using that recently. That's pretty cool.
0: I wanted to use that for something recently. However, it doesn't support the latest version of Ubuntu. So, mm, really, I cannot. Yeah, it doesn't. Does, they don't have a, they don't have a package for, for uh, what do you call it? That I think it was specifically ARM sixty four and like uh, the mm, okay. I think it, it's coming. It's just I couldn't use it when I wanted it. So that's that's fine. We'll just I'll get over it. <laughs>
1: Will you, though? Will you, actually?
0: Who can tell? I did like to hold a <laughs> grudge. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you did. let's, uh, let's get up. on with this into Laravel 925, 9.25. First up, we have stringable when not exactly was contributed by Andoran Damilea, and it is a string method that will execute a given callback if the string is not an exact match with the given value. Uh, so you can do string of Tony, arrow when not exactly Tony Stark, and then pass it as the second argument, a closure, which then receives the stringable. So you can do additional um, functionality on that. Otherwise, um, you know, you, you return the match in there. And then as the third parameter, you could say this is like the the other condition. Um, do this thing if if that is the case as well. So check that out. It'll, it'll make immediate sense if you see the code as opposed to me trying to explain it to you. Next up, Steve Bauman contributed a touch method to the model query builder, which allows you to touch a model's timestamp with or without query constraints, which behaves exactly the same as model touch. So this is on uh, the underlying query builder. Touch has been available on Eloquent for some time already. So uh, those are the two main highlights from 9.25. So quite a release on that front.
1: Indeed. You know what we forgot to do at the top of the show?
0: Mention you know what our fr- good friends. You know what
1: I forgot to do? Why don't you mention our friends? Our good friends,
0: our great friends Wonderful at HoneyBadger.io. Friends. They are error, uptime, and cron monitoring all in one place for your Laravel applications, but not just Laravel. They work with Python and Ruby and a plethora of other languages that you can use there. So we thank HoneyBadger. We'll talk a little a bit little more, bit about, more them.
1: about them in just a little bit here. Indeed.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Okay, we are going to talk. We are gonna. This one is actually a tutorial, so I'm gonna move this one. You know, I'm gonna mm. move this one down. I'm gonna move it all Skip the way it. down to the tutorials, and I'm going to talk about profiling your Laravel application with XH Prof. So this is similar mm. to kind of what we were just talking about, right? We're talking about profiling your application, and there's a bunch of different ways to do that: Nagios, Amplify, Grafana. You can do. You know, I think we have SolarWinds maybe uh, that does a bunch of stuff for us. A bunch of stuff. There's a whole bunch of things out there, right? Uh, So this is another one. So the Laravel XPROF package makes it easy to use XPROF to profile your Laravel application. So XPROF is a hierarchical profiler for PHP. I believe it's possibly, probably open source. I've literally never heard of it. You can install it with like Peckle. I'm not sure. Have you ever heard of this
0: thing? XHProf, Prof, yes. I have used it in a few specific scenarios. It's um I think I've used it in place of XDebug. Okay. But I've used it um I, I think at one point I was using X debug not for um, step debugging, but I was using it to generate coverage. And that kind of it, I think and that was like version two. So it was really slow to do that. And then I switched to XH prof and then I discovered PCov, which is um, even quicker again for those code coverage things. but xhprof is kind of like that the in between step between those two in terms. like pcov is specifically for generating code coverage from your unit tests. okay? Um xhprof does a little bit extra. and it's kind of like a self-hosted version of something like Blackfire.
1: okay, gotcha. So it, let me I'll just read out basically its own how it would present itself, how it would describe itself. So, Xhprof is a function level level hierarchical profiler for PHP and has a simple HTML based navigational interface. So think back to like when you used to use PHP myadmin. <laughs> Remember that? Mm-hmm. It was like a way to like interface with uh your MySQL database, right? And so it came with that nice little HTML based navigational interface. Uh, think of like that, right? So the raw data collection component is implemented in C as a PHP extension. And the reporting UI layer is all in PHP. It's capable of reporting function level, inclusive and exclusive wall times, memory usage, CPU times, number of calls for each function. And it additionally supports the ability to compare two different runs, like a hierarchical diff report or aggregate results for multiple runs. So you can say, take one run and then the next one and compare the two of them. What was what was different there or aggregate all these runs over this period of time and see what we get. So along with the Laravel side of the package that gets to trace your requests when the XH prof is enabled uh, in your ENV file, you can also visualize the profiling with XH GUI, which uses a database backend and pretty graphs because who doesn't like pretty graphs uh, to make this sort of stuff easy to use and interpret. So you're not just looking at a wall of text and, you know, debugging stuff. The Laravel XH prof GitHub repo has all the instructions you need to get set up and get you going. So. Thank you, everyone's favorite human, Mr. Paul Redmond, for
0: pointing that one out. That's our first package. Very very nice. Uh, The next up here, we have Mailator, which is a package for uh, sending scheduled email in Laravel. It provides a lightweight package around configuring email schedules and templates based on application events. It's got a nice fluent interface. So you could say uh, scheduler, colon, colon, init, arrow mailable, arrow recipients, arrow constraint, arrow days, arrow before, arrow save, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And the above example, or the example that I skipped over, takes a mailable instance, the recipients, a set of sending constraints that must all evaluate to true, and the ability to schedule the email to send three days before the given uh, date. So think of it: if you want, if you're wanting to send invoice reminders, mm. you'd like in it. It's a good idea. Invoice reminder. You pass the the mailable new invoice reminder mailable, the recipients that you're sending it to, the constraint that that needs to be passed and you want to send out three days before the invoice due date to say, hey, this is due, please pay. Um apart from that, the constraint method, using the constraint method, you can implement a constrainable interface, constraintable interface, which allows you to create your own constraints for um, you know, whether or not and a, a notification should be sent. Hmm. Um, if this is something that is of interest to you, it's it's certainly something that I've used in the past, you know, and, and having to implement you know, constraints, I want to send like a suspension email and I want to send an invoice due email and I want to say, you know, whatever these things are, being able to do it behind a a similar interface, a constrained interface, if you will, um, then then check out this package. We'll have links to um, all of it in the show notes. It does also include email templating. So, you know, if that's something that, that piques your interest, definitely check out the show notes. We'll have links to all of it in the show notes.
1: I'm interested on the, about this. So as I'm looking at it, it has like a mailable. Then you're passing in recipients. Then you have a constraint, which I don't know what the constraint means. Serialized condition, condition, invoice. Okay. And then it says days three before and then a particular date on the invoice. And then you save that. So I'm just curious how it works. Like, does it run through all of the different invoices every single time it's looking to do this and then say does this one match the condition of like it should be included and then is it three days before the due date i don't know i'm just i'm just don't know how it works yet exactly i don't know exactly how it works we'll see it's Mm -hmm. it's interesting to me it also uh seems like something you could use to do like a drip campaign to like Mm -hmm. new users so i know that there was this piece of software i signed up for not long ago and you know they would send you emails there was like a scheduled set of emails every day that you could that you could that you would get. Right? Hey, mm-hmm. here's how to use the product. Here's something you might want to know, sort of deal. And you could say days one after uh, user account created date or something like that. Right? So, yeah, it's just it's interesting. I could see that being useful. Yeah. And again, from everyone's favorite human, Mr. Paul Redmond. Awesome. Hey, you know how we talked about Honey Badger a little bit ago? I'm feeling yeah. like we should probably talk about him again. So I'm going to. Let's so, let's face it. Uh, you're going to have these situations where your code is going to have errors. Like if you tried to send out email reminders to everybody that needed to make a payment nine days before, and for some reason on that day, that thing didn't fire. Well, how are you going to catch that, right? Because even code written by an amazing developer such as yourself is going to have errors. And it's nice to know that when that happens, Honey Badger has your back because they're going to make you a dev op here by combining a couple things here. Error monitoring uptime monitoring and the last one check-in monitoring into a single easy to use platform honey badger sends you alerts in real time with all the context that you need to see what is causing the error and exactly where it's happening so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day the included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs i.e that email we talked about when those go silently go when those go missing or silently fail so you can go to honeybadger.io And discover how Star, with two Rs, Josh and Ben created a 100% bootstrapped monitoring solution. Why do we care that it's bootstrapped, you might ask? The reason why that's important is because self-funding means they only answer to you, the developer, rather than a venture capital overlord. Who's trying to say, hey, we need to integrate with all these other services because hockey stick and all that stuff, right? Trying to get that return. So yeah, it's a great product. You should definitely check it out. Honeybadger.io. Thanks so much, Star, Josh, and Ben for sponsoring the show. Okie dokie. Up next, we got some tutorials, my friend. Shall I hit or shall you, you hit? Should. Well, you should. You missed you the package. I missed, did I
0: missed, Or is this a tutorial? Oh no, you shuffled them around. Carry I on. shuffled around. Remember, I shuffled it. You shuffled. Shuffled, you shuffled it the around. deck.
1: I did. The magician. I did. Did you? Did anybody know out there? If you didn't know. One time, I counted as a very proud moment in my life. One time, (laughs) uh, I think you were probably there. I blew Taylor and Adam's mind at a Laricon Louisville. It was Mm -hmm. so funny because it was actually
0: an accident. I don't know if you knew (laughs) it or not. (laughs) That's right. I I do remember. I think we've spoken about this before. You, You messed up the trick and got it right by accident.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, it was like this amazing trick where they're they they okay so i'll just i'll give you the quick version okay you have a deck of cards they uh they pick a card you shuffle it into the deck and then you grab like a set of like six cards or something and so Mm -hmm. you're showing them the cards one by one and sure enough the stack of six cards that you have doesn't have their card in it and then you look through them again yeah none of them are in their card is not in that pack of cards okay so then what you do is you have them hold on to that stack of cards and then you smack it out of their hand And there's one card left in their hand and it happens to be their card. It's an amazing effect. It looks great. The one thing you have to be really careful about is that when you hit the cards out of their hands, you don't hit it too hard because then what happens is all the cards go everywhere and the effect is ruined and it's completely terrible. So it's a great payoff if you have the guts to do it. But if you mess it up, you look like a total fool. Well, we're standing there doing it. And I think I was doing it with Adam Wathen and I smacked the cards out of his hand and Sure enough, all the cards fall out of his hand. I didn't have him holding tight enough. But what ended up happening is all the cards, except for his, his chosen card, fell on the floor. And the one that was his fell face up on the table right in front of us. And <laughs> he lost his mind. It was amazing. It was so funny. So, yes, I shuffled them around because I'm the magician that I am. There, I shuffled them. So now it's your turn. Top of the tutorial list.
0: Here you go, Mr. Duranda. Yes, let's go. Zero hassle CLI applications... With Laravel Zero, so this is a tutorial that is by, of course, our tutorial meister, Steve McDougall, and it goes through talking about how to build terminal applications. We've seen so many of these things recently. Different, not mm-hmm. um, even like, even even just what we've seen with the um, changes to the Laravel artisan commands. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these nice DB shows and DB monitors and all that. Like they're built up and they're all part of the framework. But Laravel Zero is probably the first thing that I I knew of that that Nuno had built, um, which which was helping to build these beautiful, simple, self-contained command line applications. And so I find myself building up these things to do all kinds of little miscellaneous things. I, I'm creating artisan commands all the time. But if if I'm wanting to do something a little bit on the side, using Laravel Zero is a nice way. It gives you all of the power and functionality and features that you get with Laravel as a standalone thing without the whole, you know, web stack that, that you don't need. And and in previous positions and previous jobs, I'd use that to to basically make running Artisan Migrations, database migrations, a standalone tool. So this tutorial is going to go through, again, like we spoke about last episode from start to finish, creating a new project using Laravel Zero and um, creating... Contracts to, you know, for what you need to work with, like interfaces, um, implementations of those things. All of this is to build a nice little application um, that allows you to um, basically create a, uh, to see projects and tasks inside of a Todoist account. Uh, Todoist is a to do list task, uh, task, to do list. That's, that's what it is, a, a service for that. So um, Steve goes through all of this stuff so that without having to open up the application, or go into the browser, or whatever. If you've got, if you're already in the terminal, you can run this um, and and basically see what you've got to do in in that list. Um, so check it out. It's a as all of Steve's excellent writing is comprehensive, fully featured, and it, and and you're bound to learn something from it. So check that out. And thanks to to Steve.
1: Yeah, I actually am starting a new one right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. Basically, we have the occasion little the occasional failed job right Mm -hmm. and we have a bunch of different applications and so it's hard to know sometimes if you have failed jobs sitting out there and so we actually have this thing that will go out there and ping each one of them and say hey do you have any failed jobs and if you do count them up and tell me how many you have and we it runs every 30 minutes and throws it in our slack channel and says hey uh we have these failed jobs that need to be infected rerun whatever well, sometimes it's uh just it's not bad. Like Forge makes it really nice to be able to go in and run a command directly from, from your from Forge, so you don't have to log into four, five, six different servers to actually go in and then navigate to the you know to the location and then rerun the failed jobs. You can just do it straight from Forge, which is great. But they also have a API which you can issue commands straight from, which would be really nice. And so I could actually get it to count my failed jobs for me or to be able to rerun those failed jobs for me. And it would be nice if I had a little command line tool that would auto-suggest the different applications that I know I'm gonna to need to run these failed jobs retries from or be able to inspect them from. So I'm gonna create one to do that and use the forge CLI or sorry, the forge API to run mm-hmm. CLI commands on those different servers. So Fair right enough. yeah, that makes Very it a single enough. entry point too. So I don't actually have to like if I wanted to give it to another developer. On on my team, all I'd have to do is just give it a API key for Forge that would allow them to run commands, whatever. It'd be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So. Anyway, there we go. Okay. JSON API resources in Laravel. So Michael thought you guys talked about this last week when, with, with Tim McDonald. And you know what? For some reason, that's not coming up for me. Why? What? Oh, there it is. There it is. And you know what? It would have been a perfect occasion to talk about it last time because you're, you're he was uh, here. He was here. Tim McDonald was here, and he was he's here. the one he's the one who who made this right. JSON I, a JSON API resource Laravel package by Tim McDonald. Uh, so our tutorial meister, Mr. Steve King. Oh, just kidding, Steve. Steve McDougal <laughs> uh, wrote up a, another tutorial on this. So building APIs in Laravel is a passion of Steve's. He's spent a lot of time doing this and trying to find. The perfect way to return consistent JSON API friendly resources, so that you can find and use a standard. Steve is one of those guys, by the way. He is very much a like. This is the way I do it. This is how I like to do it. I'm always going to do it this way, even if it's just a small app. I'm always going to be consistent in the way that I do this, which you will hear more about in his post. How I develop applications with Laravel in in a short period of time here, just ahead of us. So in the past, uh, there's the different cobbled solutions you can use to manage what you wanted to achieve here, but it's quite a, quite a bit of work. Okay, luckily, Tim McDonald built this fantastic package, which allows you to build and return JSON API compliant resources. We actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And um, so this tutorial walks you through the process of requiring this new package and then how you actually build it out by extending JSON API resources and then, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 on and on it goes. So, if this is something you would, you were like, when you heard of that that package was out there, you're like, oh, that's good. I need to figure that out. It's now been figured out for you. He'll walk you mm-hmm. through. Steve will walk you through each step. Uh, this is good because we kind of got the yin, the yin and the yang here, right? I feel like Paul Redmond for the longest time has been everyone's favorite human, Mr. Package, and he will like tell us about all the new packages that are out there. And like, I don't know where he finds some of these things. They're really good. So mm-hmm. he gives us the brief intro, and then Steve is sort of like the one-two. He's like the second punch, right? Like he, he gets in there and says, okay, yeah, that's the package, but here's how you would actually implement it in a real-world scenario inside your Laravel application. So there's that for you, folks. Enjoy.
0: Right. Yeah, I am. Um, I definitely... I remember when when Steve... Uh, not Steve, when when Tim first started building this JSON API package because he was yeah. live-streaming the process, and I, catched, uh, catched, I caught a couple of the streams and, and thought what he was doing is really interesting. And now in my current role we're working with like my backend team is is working predominantly or exclusively with a, a JSON api package and it's it's a little bit complex and 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 it gives you a lot of functionality but every time i'm trying to like dive through an authorization issue or i want to see where we've got validation running it's kind of buried and like it 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 kind of skirts and part of it is the way that we've implemented and part of it's the package kind of forcing you into a certain structure that kind of skirts away from the Laravel conventions, and so this package much more closely follows the convention. Um, it uses uh, our um, uses the Eloquent API resources. It uses the existing relationships. It it handles all that kind of stuff for you, and it keeps it really front of mind. And you might consider that there's a bit of repetition in that. You know, you've got to build up the, the database structures, and then you've got to go and create the resources and all that kind of stuff, but um, I think it makes it a little bit nicer because it does follow all those conventions. And whilst you do have to create the structure of the return JSON and things like that itself, it, it still tidies up quite a bit. Um, unfortunately, it requires PHP 8 because it leans on some of the, you know, the named arguments and things like that. So we can't use it just yet. But it's certainly something that I want to look at in future because I've, I've been doing some work recently that's kind of tangential to our main API. And it's been so nice to just use Laravel's models and its resources and its controllers and just like handle all of that kind of stuff up front without having to like poke around in this, this these extra layers. And like I can certainly see why it was done. It's just it's it's nice. And we've said this before, like on, on Laravel News, we've said it on our own, you know, North Meet South. It's nice to follow the conventions. Yeah. Because it makes it much easier. I've been I've been at my new role, what's it, August now? So like eight months. And there are still parts of the application that I look at and I just don't understand because they're, they're um, quite quite convoluted in places. So the conventions mean that anyone can come into your code base. Anyone that knows Laravel can come in and know, okay, this is where I need to pick it up um, and go from there. So definitely check it out. If, if you need JSON API functionality in your application, then check out this one. Um, the tutorial is a good place to get started. Check out if you're interested in how it was built. Tim's got the streams up on his YouTube. We'll, we'll link to that as well. Um, the next tutorial that we've got here is a, another from, I'm pretty sure this one's Steve. I remember him saying, yeah, Steve Steve McGoogle," He's our tutorial meister. Um, and this is talking about how Steve specifically develops applications with Laravel. And he takes you through a new application from scratch, right from Laravel New. Um, it's kind of like a getting started up to, you know, from start to finish, how to build a to-do app. And he talks through how he likes to document his model structures using YAML. He doesn't specifically talk about using JMAX Blueprint, but that that kind of uses, if you've ever used JMAX Blueprint package, mm-hmm. it allows you to define your models and all of that kind of stuff in YAML. And then it will scaffold out the models, the migrations, the base controllers. I think it even does some basic tests as well for those endpoints and things like that. So YAML is quite a nice language and it's it's a nice step to go from, you know, what what Steve is outlining here to using something like Blueprint. Um, but he talks about, you know, always using declare strict types on each file, always using um, final by default. So he overwrites his application stubs. This is something that, that you can do. I see every now and then people will submit pull requests to Laravel to like change some something <laughs> in a stub or in yeah. um, the .env file or a configuration file and things like that where a lot of these things we need to remember that you can make changes to them in your own application. You can do artisan vendor publish. I think it's stubs or something, or stub colon publish. Artisan yeah, stub I think publish. he has it
1: in there even. I think he has it in, that, uh, in the tutorial yeah. here.
0: And so you can publish those stub files and you can customize them however you'd like. Um, I, I typically will go through all of the migrations and remove all of the down methods. In all of the stubs, I tend to go through and remove all the dog blocks and things like that, especially in more recent versions of PHP where you can use real types and real return yeah, types exactly. rather than mm-hmm. rather than having to use doc blocks for that. There are still some places where I'll use doc blocks. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around generics because that's that's really nice, especially the work that the Laravel team that and Nuno in particular put in in terms of like you can document exactly the contents of your collections so that, so that your IDE will know that it is a collection of user models. It's not just a collection of arbitrary things. And right. so when you do like you know, your collection arrow each, open brackets, uh, open parentheses, function, you know, and then it knows that that dollar user is a user model. And so you get all the auto-completion for that as well. So all of that kind of stuff that, that, you know, you get out of the box now. But then he goes through, you know, building up the your models, migrations, factories, um, how he structures those things. Some people may not think too much about it. You just put, you know, all of your columns in there. Some people are a little bit more particular about it. So they'll put the, um, you know, your order incrementing ID, then any strings, then any, you know, castable properties and things like that. Um, everyone has their own way of doing this. I typically typically put all of my IDs at the top, then everything else in the middle, and then all of my dates last. Uh, yeah, or, you true. Know, booleans same for and me. And then dates, mm-hmm. like, that's that's just how I kind of structure it because IDs, IDs are usually the things that I want to see first. And then, you know, values later, because there's usually yep. only two or three IDs. So it's easy to kind of bunch them all up to the top. And if I come back and and change a migration to add another one, I'm going to put it, you know, I'll keep the them front. all together Yep. because that's typically, you know, how I want to read that information if I'm eyeballing it in the database um, and things like that. So each to their own, you know, Steve has a different way of going about it. I think consistency is the key within within your own applications, within your code base, whatever. And then the other thing, just circling back to the stubs, is if you find yourself doing this on every application and you find yourself making a lot of applications, it may be easier to create your own sort of base project, your skeleton project. I know spacy has got one. I've got one that I kind of put all my customizations in there so that anytime I start, like I don't have to go and publish those stubs and then go and update all of the stubs and all of that kind of stuff. It's just ready to go. So instead of using Laravel New, you, you use Composer Create Project and go from there. But he also talks about, you know, directory structure in terms of domains and infrastructure and things like that, um, how he's using enums, how he's um, putting together his APIs. We talked about route registrars um, last episode or, or, or maybe two episodes ago now where you can use like real classes to, to define your application routes rather than putting them just as like strings and things like that in a, in a giant routes file. And that kind of gives you a better overview of everything that's in there. And it allows you to kind of contain each of your applications, you know, resources so that all of the the things are together and it gives you like the click through ability in your IDE that you can like go and find all of these, this group of routes and all of this group of routes and things like that. So we've spoken about that before on the show. This is a, there's a refresher in this tutorial. So it's a, it's a very comprehensive tutorial and like I'm still scrolling. We're only like a third of the way through. So if, if any of this has piqued your interest, it's always interesting to me to, to go and see what other people are doing and how they're going about it. And if there's any ideas that I can kind of bring into, to my own applications, because, you know, it's nice to stick to conventions, but sometimes it's also nice to, to, to see other things that are being used in practice and not just reading about it in theory. And say, you know, this might be a nice idea, but like seeing how someone is actually doing this and seeing, okay, well, they're using it at scale. Maybe it's something that I could, uh, could adopt in my application. So it's always interesting to see, to see that kind of stuff. So thanks to um, Steve. Absolutely. And lastly, we've got one more uh, from
1: Steve, which is a long one. It is a really long one. Um, And we're talking about event sourcing here. So event sourcing in Laravel. So let's talk real quick. What is event sourcing? Event sourcing is a term uh, that we've been talking about for a couple of years, I suppose. It's still a mystery to a lot of people, sometimes Mm -hmm. including myself. I feel like I have scratched the surface a bit on it. But the questions are always like, how or why? Why should we do this? And so this tutorial is designed to not only help you understand what event sourcing is in a practical way, but to know when you might want to use it. So fundamentally, in a typical application, what we are typically or what we look at is that our application state is all represented in the database. We don't really know how the information got there or what preceded it. But we know that that's what it is right now. That's the state right now. So there you know we might have tools like change change log tools. Uh, you know Spasi has like an activity log tool where you can maybe <laughs> log some of the changes or things like that. You can use auditing models uh, so that you can see what was changed. but and that's sort of a step halfway in that direction, but we still don't understand the critical question, which is why why did this particular model change? What was the purpose? Of the change, how did we get to where we are right right now? And that's what event right. sourcing does. It keeps a historical view of what happened to the application state, but also why it changed. Event sourcing allows you to also then make a decision based on the past. Okay, so not just looking at what's the current application state, but also being able to say, "Hey, based on what happened previously, I want to generate new state based on what happened before." Mm-hmm. So this can allow you to like generate reports, but at, at the basic level, it lets you know why the application state changed and all of that is done through events. And so Steve walks through this whole thing of setting it up. He sets up a brand new application, has this novel idea about celebrating team members and things like that. And then he installs this package uh, for, from Spassi, so which is Spassi's Laravel event sourcing. I'm not going to go too deep in here, but I just want to kind of talk just very briefly when you have when you have this package installed, essentially you define these events that happen, and then you have a projector, and a projector basically says take these events and handle them, uh, which will then change the state of your application. It's it's more than just updating your database. It sort of sits in the middle. It catches the event, stores the event, and then makes the changes that it needs to to your application state. So then it it, it projects the new state for the application based on the events. There's also this idea of aggregates. Uh, They're like projectors. They handle the application state uh, for you. But instead of firing the events ourselves in our applications, the aggregates do that for you. So again, I I don't really want to go. It's hard to dig into all of it. Steve sort of advocates for this idea of using aggregates versus projectors. And so he walks through why that is and how he sets that up. But I, I will say, if you want to read this, it is it is a long one. But the reason why is because it's a big topic. There's It needs a mm-hmm. lot of explanation. There's not a lot of extra words here. It's just that it's a lot to talk about. So the other thing that he talks about here is if this isn't enough for you, this tutorial, if you're wanting to learn more, Bossy was also kind enough to give us a 30% off coupon for their event sourcing in Laravel course, which is... Really, really good. You can visit the course website, which is event-sourcing-laravel and you can use the coupon code Laravel News Event Sourcing. So, check that out if that's Very something nice. you are interested in, and uh, enjoy. Okay, hey, I think that brings us to the end. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk have, about here? You have, I do. You have I have, have one here. thing.
0: We we spoke about XHProf before, and yes. um, oh, okay. I know that I know that static analysis and things like that are quite popular. In the Laravel community now, and then certainly have becoming become more popular. I came across a there's a there's a plugin I think, um, or a, I don't know I don't know what they're called in the context of PHPStan, but there's a plugin called uh, PHPStan DBA, and what this does is it allows you to basically statically analyze your code base for potential inefficient queries. So this runs as part of static analysis. It'll so when you're on PHPStan it'll go through and, and it needs a connection to your database, but it will then go and connect to the database and it will look at the 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 queries that would run against it and determine if you're going to hit N plus one issues. Um, it's going to see if you're, if you're running queries that are not using indexes, if they're doing table scans, if they're doing unindexed reads, all this kind of stuff. So it, it lets you kind of catch inefficient queries as part of, your, your development process, certainly part of your QA process. And and the recommendation is to have like a production-like version of your data. Maybe in CI, maybe this is like a build step there where you've got like your actual records and it'll go and figure out, is this going to be a slow query? Is it going to run against a huge set of data that's inefficient or or things like that? And it'll allow you to fail your builds as part of static analysis in such a way that, you know, you can detect issues before they kind of Hit you, you know, three weeks later or six months later as your application grows and you start to run into these things. So something that I'm, uh, I'm interested in just because we've got a, a few of these database issues and it's easier to kind of try and pick them up ahead of time than it is to wait until you hit them in production. So I'll include a link to this one in the show notes. This uh, is from Marcus Stubb. So uh, check that. out. It's a, it's a short article uh, in terms of the content itself, but it's, uh, it's certainly a useful thing, especially if you already got php stand running in your applications now it's just another thing that you can um throw out at your app and uh and see what kind of useful information it gives you i love it
1: yeah that was one of the thing i was actually just recently thinking about like what we could add to our stack is php stand we're not using it right now but i'd love to i would really mm-hmm. really like to so Okay, folks, that is it for us. Uh, check out show notes at podcast.laravel- newscom slash 174. If you like the show, rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be awesome. Hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda at Jacob Bennett or at Laravel News if you have any questions or comments. And thanks again, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. We'll see you, folks, in two weeks. Peace.
0: Oh.